comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Ichabod Crane. And welcome to the Ichabod Cranecast, the podcast that recaps each week's new episode of the Fox television series Sleepy Hollow. I am Aaron, writer for WhySoBlue.com and TheCodeIsEek.com, and with me I have Brandon. Hello. And Maxwell. Salutations, all. Uh, yeah, so here we are. We're talking about episode three uh, for the Triumph of Evil. You want to go over that one real quick, Maxwell? I'd love to. In episode three for the Triumph of Evil, the Sandman... A soldier in the army of evil invades the dreams of Sleepy Hollow residents who turn a blind eye to justice at least once in their lives. And Abby may be the next one to face a dark past that involves her institutionalized sister. That was very nice. That was very nice. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well done. I let's get let's do some show notes here before we get to the episode recap, which is, you know, what we do at this podcast. Um we have a feed now on iTunes. We have a, we've been on the HHW LOD Master Feed, which we'll still be available on. But we also have an, our own separate feed on iTunes. So that should be easy. Everyone can just subscribe specifically to the Icapod Cranecast at this point, which is uh, makes me happy. Um, we have some corrections because, you know, we're new at this show and uh, we don't have all the de- We don't get all the facts straight all the time. So last week we were talking about Abby's ex-boyfriend. Um, who we kind of like, I think I called him Mike, and uh, we had no idea what his role was. Now we have a more definitive clue of what it is because his name is actually Detective Luke Morales, played by Nicholas Gonzalez, and he's he is Abby's ex boyfriend, but he's also a fellow, he's a detective in the police station, so we had that completely wrong, I think. Um, but we're happy to admit our mistakes. Speaking of which, I, I think we were also, were we confused on, like, Orlando Jones' role? In the, I think we called him Police Captain Orlando Jones, or Irving, as, you know, his character's name is. But I think we were confused about, like, the sheriff versus police captain. I did a little digging, and, yeah, he is the police captain. He's replacing Sheriff Clancy Brown, I, I guess, I'd imagine for the time being, until a, a new sheriff is elected, if that makes sense. But, yeah, he, and he's, he's new. Like, he's a, he's a new guy. And he is Orlando Jones. He was Orlando Jones, for sure. That hasn't changed. Yeah, it's interesting how things that were not made clear are now being made clear. Like, I had no idea he was new. I thought he was always there. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I had, too. But now we, we based we, on something that happens this week, we'll kind of, yeah. yeah I wonder the, if they're just, like, in, like, making it up and, like, filling in the holes as they go. Um, let's see. One last thing. Um, we haven't had our own iTunes feed until today, but on the HHW LOD podcast, the master feed, there's a, there's an iTunes review there that specifically mentions us. So I'm going to kind of... I'm going to read that whole review because it's like a sentence long. This is from Sarah527. Um, I like your recaps of The Walking Dead and the recent edition of Breaking Bad, so I was really excited to see you covering Sleepy Hollow as well. I really enjoyed the pilot episode, so let's hope it stays that way. There is one Sleepy Hollow podcast from DVMPE, but it wasn't as good as yours. So thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I'm glad we're doing something <laughs> right, apparently. Um, we, we, we're, we're happy to admit our mistakes, but we're also happy to take praise from other people. So there you go. <laughs> She may be a fan of the show, but we're also big fans of her. There you go. Thank. Couldn't have said it better. 
And if anyone else wants to, you know, say it better, they can obviously go to iTunes and leave a review and rating. That would help out the show, of course. Also, we have an email, the ichapodcranecast at gmail.com, and a Twitter, twitter.com slash ichapodcrane. So, you know, send us, you know, thoughts on our show or just the, the Sleepy Hollow in general uh, to the email or, you know, follow us on Twitter. We're, we're trying to try to build that Twitter base. So I think that's it. So let's get to the episode here. Uh, let's get to For the Triumph of Evil. First off, I'm going to shout out Brandon. You did a great job of predicting that Mr. Sandman would play on the soundtrack in this week's episode. That was that's a good call. Thank you. Yeah. But um, okay, so here we go. Let's get into where the show started. Uh, we started off a dream sequence. Question straight up: Did you guys immediately realize it was a dream sequence? When no. we got when we got into the interrogation room and Ichabod was in the interrogation room, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I kind of figured something was up. Uh, the begin- episode begins, Abby's brought into the station where Ichabod is leading an interrogation as, as um, <laughs> I want to say, police captain Orlando Jones, Captain Irving, and a, psych- a psychiatrist observe. Abby sees who the subject, sub- suspect is. It is her teen self. Um, then we get to, we see Ichabod, his eyes are all whited out, and yells at her to tell the truth. Uh, Stop lying, Abby, the truth will set you free. I wrote that down as a quote because I felt like I needed, I felt like that was important. Um, <laughs> she the adult Abby busts in. The room becomes all like, "Whoa, what's happening?" And then she sees an image of the of this uh, creepy Sandman person, reminding me of a lot of the Pale Man actually from Pan's Labyrinth, mixed with sand. And, yeah, uh, and you say creepy, it was super creepy. I was <laughs> really creeped out. Yeah, and uh, she wakes up because she's being called to go to a scene. Um, she has to, she arrives at the scene where a Doctor Mora Vega is about to jump off the building. This is important because Vega is the doctor of uh, of Jenny of her of her of Abby's sister. She says she'll only speak to Abby, so Abby goes up there. <laughs> doctor Vega's talking what seems to be nonsense, saying it's all my fault, which has to do with uh, Jenny, who I, I guess she believed she believed she believed this the whole time. Yada yada. She says I've had this coming. We all, all for a long time we all have. And then she jumps <laughs> off the building. She lands, <laughs> doesn't live. That happens. Um, she dies. As the police kind of mark off the scene, uh, Abby Abby explains that Doctor Vega to Ichabod that I, Abby's eyes were kind of glazed over with white, which is you know obviously weird. They go to check out the corpse. The paramedic shows him the eyes. Uh, says he, they look like cataracts, but then the eyeballs explode into grains, which is awesome. Yeah, they explode into grains of sand. Not your average Monday, but there we go. I believe that leads to the end of the uh, yeah. That leads. To, <laughs> I don't think there's a bigger moment that could lead to the opening credits. So what do we think of this uh, cold open? I think the thing that's surprising me the most so far is that the horror elements are actually working as horror. Like, I'm not necessarily easily scared, but I was genuinely creeped out. There's some, um, there's some creepy imagery, for sure. Yeah, the yeah. Very creepy imagery, yeah. Yeah, they're designing really nice, spooky stuff for the network television framework. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think we've, we've established once again that like, the show's doing a good job of being creepy without being like, explicitly gory. Although an exploding eyeball is pretty ridiculous, it is. Yeah, that, but no, no blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although the explosion actually it actually got a little jump out of me. I didn't expect it to just explode open. Yeah, I I, I moved a little too. I was like, whoa, that that's not new. <laughs> that's I mean, yeah. that's new. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. Often. And usually when you like, there's like a jumping suicide scene. It, I don't know. I found that this one in particular had a lot of impact. When her body hit the car, I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, I usually don't see the people land a lot. Yeah, and this yeah. one it's made a big deal of it from multiple angles. Right. <laughs> yes, for sure. I, I will note that the the director of the episode, John F. Showalter, has directed a bunch of episodes of Supernatural, 
So this is like very familiar territory for him. Very fitting, yeah. Um, okay, so let's see. After the first break, a lot of things here. Uh, the body's taken away. Uh, Police Captain Orlando Jones slash Irving finds that Dr. Vega did a year of residency at the same hospital where Jenny was locked up for her first year away. Um, Abby tells Ichabod that Dr. Vega was in her dream along with a faceless nightmare monster. Um, but she'd never met she'd never met Dr. Vega before. Ichabod believes this is a prophetic dream, but Abby isn't a uh, Abby isn't thrilled with the the witness label no matter what she thinks. The Book of Revelation says, uh, let's see. Later on, they watch a recording of Jenny's report of seeing of seeing a demon when she was a, a teenager. Uh, Abby finds Vega's notes. Finds in Vega's notes a reference that Jenny showed no other signs of mental illness. Abby's willing to, she's willing to write off the doctor's suicide as guilt over letting Jenny stay locked up when she knew she wasn't crazy. But Ichabod reminds her of all the sand eyeballs and her own dream. He wants to go see Jenny, whom Abby hasn't spoke to in quite some time. Like five years, I think. Five. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh... They get, yeah, yeah, they get over there. Abby hears the nurse call over to room 49 and remembers her vision, which the sheriff told, which Sheriff Clancy Brown told her not to not fear the number 49. Jenny refuses to see Abby, so Ichabod goes instead. And after some small talk, he hears he tell he tells her he's seen the demon she saw. She explains that's why she, that's she says to Ichabod, that's why I'm here and that's why she's out here, uh, which leads Ichabod to ask Abby for the whole story. There was a commercial break. There was there. Yeah, I know, yeah, there was a commercial break in there but i'll just get to the the abby secret thing so abby secret is that she and her sister did they run away from over there just no they like they like passed out and they, yeah they blacked out they blacked out and they're in the woods for four days when they were young um when they woke up they saw some sort of hell demon the same satan demon that we've been seeing in the, the previous episodes and jenny admitted these details to the cops while abby denied seeing these these same things and that's what we believe would you know lead these sisters down separate paths in life so that's a lot of stuff there, but what, what do we think? What do we what do we think of, of of Jenny and this whole situation? So like Abby, the character Abby, I'm still waiting for her to get back to where she was at the end of the pilot episode because she still seems a bit Rattles. hesitant on these uh, supernatural things. Still, um, refusing to. But um, the story was kind of interesting. The uh, four days blacked out. I'm wondering if if there's anything that happened in those four days that we might get revealed a little more later on or if it's just passed out in the woods for four days i thought it was you know pretty harsh of abigail to kind of throw her sister under the bus like that i understand wanting to protect yourself and your own integrity but at the same time you're just going to let your sister fry so it's definitely understandable why there's this long-standing wedge between the sisters and just wonder if she's gonna if she'll throw uh when the time comes if she'll throw ichapod Ichabod <laughs> under the bus. Yeah, it's possible. As well, because she, she may be faced with this situation soon down the road. Well, she already did, kind of. In, in la- I think last week's episode, she was like almost backtracking or recanting on what she had said she saw with the Headless Horseman. So she's certainly establishing a history of being a little wishy-washy with uh, who she's supporting and this supernatural stuff that's going on. Speaking of wishy-washy, well, I wouldn't say it's a complaint I have against the show. It is interesting to watch the show kind of not deal with Ichabod. This certainly is like an Abby episode. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Um, so Ichabod, while he's still, you know, he's Ichabod, we're not getting a lot more. Of, like like last week, I think, Brandon, you emphasized that there's a lot more fish out of water stuff with Ichabod. This week, yeah. I wouldn't say that that's 
much as, as present as a uh, as big of a factor, even though he's you know strolling around in his the same clothes from <laughs> two hundred fifty years ago. Well, there was there was the new uh, there was when um, Jenny called him Abby's boyfriend, and he deduced it mm-hmm. in terms of his time. Yeah, and uh, the, the energy drinks. I mean, yeah. energy, energy drinks confuse me. So I mean, that's... which they really, they really, they really should get a sponsor for those instead of the generic. Well, <laughs> speaking of Ichabod, he did have one quote or line in this act that I thought was really, uh, like, sort of sums up the whole series, and that was, I think, our definition of impossible has been irrevocably broadened. <laughs> yes. I was like, that, that was, has that to be in all the commercials from now on. Yes, that was a good line. Uh, what did you think of the actress playing Abby? Uh, sorry, Abby Jenny. Um, I think I wrote her name down somewhere. Lindy Greenwood. I feel like she's going to be, you know, a, a factor in the series as it goes on, and she certainly seemed like, you know, she seemed like Abby's sister to be in terms of kind of her attitude. Yeah, she was. She was fine. Um, she definitely seems like a, a little bit more of an outgoing version of Abby, whereas Abby's a bit reserved and she's a little bit more forward. She's which definitely is how it should probably be. She reads just in general as sort of like a, a harder person, if that makes sense, which I think is is the right choice. Well, yeah, she's Sarah Connoring up in the mental institution. Definitely. Yeah, that's not the first T two reference that again I saw in this episode of Sleepy Hollow. Three weeks in a row, by the way. <laughs> I'm noticing T two references. Keep them coming. There's a lot of great great uh, James Cameron material to mine from. Not a not a bad movie to make repay homage to every week. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see what happened next. Um, Ichabod and and uh, Abby head to they they want to go visit uh, Gillespie. Gillespie is the man who found the girls in the woods. Um, he did he see? Did we establish that he actually saw something when he was there, or just kind of noticed something in the woods when they were young? It was pretty quick, but I mean, I think he saw. He's clearly saw the Satan creature. Yeah, he, he's yeah. he's just. I think he's also willing to not have said. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want to say anything. I think we get we get a quick kind of establishing shot of him. Uh, yeah, because he has like a whole dream sequence. He uh, he at his place to let me drips off with a beer in his hand. Suddenly his eyes fly open at a noise. He goes to investigate and cuts his leg on a nail, which is sticking out of the table. Uh, the cloth he uses to wipe the blood away takes on an odd symbol. Um, he goes to his garage. He takes out a gun. The demon appears behind him, then disappears as he fires. Oh, and this leads to the Irving scene. Okay, so <laughs> after this happens, uh, we cut back to the police station. Uh, Captain Irving comes out of the squadron with a road sign that has like a horseback rider with the top broken off, obviously making like the headless horseman. And this is where we establish Abby's ex, Detective Luke Morales. I think I need to say that in full every week. Um, Luke. He <laughs> he, um, he admits to doing the prank. Uh, it's something apparently they do to the new guy. You know, make fun of the <laughs> the, the the dead sheriff in this way and have have by poking fun. I don't whatever. Uh, it's a little weird. Uh, Irving, surprisingly, even though he's been kind of a stick in the mud, uh, he, he seems pretty okay. <laughs> he, uh, he's like, oh, that, good one. <laughs> good joke, guy. <laughs> and, of course, this, this, this fun camaraderie they're having gets interrupted by the report of shots being fired at the old Giuseppe Ranch. So he, he heads there. Uh, Abby and Ichabod, they pull up at the exact same time. Which leads to to minor, <laughs> minor like, hey, that's odd. Um, before uh, we realize what's happening, Giuseppe is apparently taking his own wife hostage, and he demands to speak to Abby. Abby, quite popular in all this. Uh, she goes into hell. She finds Giuseppe, Gilles, Gilles, Giuseppe, Gillespie, whatever. She Gilles, finds, 
Gillespie. I'm saying it all Gillespie. over the place. I'm gonna get. Gillespie. I'm gonna get sued by the same Italian Americans that are suing Joseph Gordon-Levitt or whatever. Um, that's my Don John joke for the week. Anyway, Mr. G is on the floor <laughs> in the kitchen with his wife nearby. He's got a gun in his hand. Uh, his wife warns Abby to get out of the out, and he says he's he says that he's lost his mind. Uh, Abby sees that the his eyes, Mr. G's eyes, are glazed over with white, just like uh, Doctor Vega. Uh, suddenly, Jill, as Abby's kind of trying to calm Mr. G down, he sees the demon behind Abby, and he starts firing in the air. He warns her the Sandman's coming for her next, um, and he explains next time you fall asleep, you're dead. And then he proceeds to blow his head off. So lots of suicide in the second part. <laughs> Uh, that's never Two good. Two suicides. I uh, the, the notes I say, I say, infiltrate Mr. G's house. He's held up with wife, no eyes, Sandman coming for you, and kill self. That's what I have written down for that scene. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of notes I took. So I, I think when Gillespie fires the, the shots into the air, uh, Ichabod starts running towards the house. And yes. it is at this point when Irving yells at the top of his lungs, Crane... And it is this point when, in my notes, I wrote, I love this stupid show. <laughs> Crane! I was like, That's, there you go. That's how you do it. Crane! Uh, I was like, that, that's, 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 yep. Um, I, I, it was also at this point where I realized that the Sandman is likely based on Freddy Krueger. Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, he's got all his rules, as we'll find out here shortly. Yep. Yes. Um, so after that break, um, we get to hear some Sandman stories. They go back to the archive room, which I think we also predict- correctly predicted that would become like their their Buffy-esque library. They're at the archives. Actually, were they in there earlier for at for, yes. um, Jenny's when they had the, Okay. Or, or the, uh, yeah. Okay, well, good. See, we caught that one early this week. Um <laughs> Instead of having to apologize for it the next show. Um, so in the archives, they, they there's the energy drink humor comes into play because Abby's like, hey, take one of these. It'll make you last longer. Ichabod's like, huh, what's that? And uh, yeah, classic classic energy drink mixed with guy from 250 years ago joke. Um, classic. Classic. Abby looks at the sheriff's files on sleep Add demons yeah, and finds one that bears a symbol that was left on Gillespie's bloody rag. Ichabod explains he's familiar with the Mohawk sleep demon. They told him about the spirit of the, bear with me, the Rakaranti, who had okay. come. Okay, I, I couldn't get that. I tried to write it down. I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I, I did my best. The Rakaranti, who would come for you if you didn't do right by your neighbor. Ichabod suggests that they visit a Mohawk shaman, and she gives him the bad news about the Native Americans, which <laughs> is maybe the easiest way to explain this. It's moments like this and also in the pilot where there's the whole sort of slavery yeah. uh, conversation where it's like instilling this like minor political commentary about the way our country has changed and it's just – you know, an interesting kind of undercurrent that I'm glad they're dealing with. Yeah, it's certainly it's certainly an undercurrent. Like, it's not necessarily played for laughs, but it's not something that... It's a bit uh, on the nose and in your face. Yes, and it's handled and, and in a kind very of, like... generic. It's handled in a kind of, this is a cool Fox show way, as opposed to something <laughs> more significant in terms of dramatic <laughs> occurrences. Uh, watch, watch Sleepy Hollow, you'll learn something. There you go. <laughs> However, after after uh, after Ichabod learns the bad news, <laughs> um, uh, Abby suggests another kind of shaman, and she takes it to accuse Carlot, Geronimo Motors. 
Yep. <laughs> which, is, which is owned by a Bohawk man. This is where the Mr. Sandman song kicks into place as we establish this location. So they come up to this uh, car salesman. Um, he thinks Ichabod is joking when he mentions the Rockerati, but he eventually believes him. Ichabod, believe, I believe he speaks in their language, correct? Doesn't he? Uh, does, doesn't he? I think so, yeah. Uh, let's see. Actually, basically, when, when they meet him, that's kind of where the commercial break is there. Uh, and in my notes, I put, Carl, car salesman really needs a sale, because I believe he, he says that he, he's like, you better be buying something or something like that. Anyway, we come back from that. It takes him to the... The the um the salesman at Gerona Motors takes them to the kind of lodge away from town because all Mohawk all all Mohawk men like have lodges. Um, of course, yeah. Uh, they give he gives Abby a potion that'll allow her to walk in the dream world and take on the demon, but he warns her if she dies there, she really dies. Ichabod, of course, chugs the potion to join her. Uh, then the shaman, the shaman, the shaman tells them that they need a scorpion venom <laughs> to be able to control what they do in the spirit world. He ties them down to tables, puts scorpions in jars on their bare stomachs, and lets them get stung. All right, so <laughs> we've unloaded all that. Uh, what, the last time I went looking for a shaman, uh, Carmax was my first stop. <laughs> yes. Let's see. So, so they're at, they're at dangerous risk of getting incepted. That's another note. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This scene was like they're in inception. And they're trying to fight Freddy Krueger at the same time. And it was also a good reason to get both our lead actors shirtless. You know, see, that was it seemed. Yeah, she can she can leave her her bra on her sports bra on. Yeah, no scorpions don't worry about that. They just they need they need empty yeah. torso. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, we did we we did it, guys. We got so we got some toppleness on and Fox's Sleepy Hollow. Finally, it's been three episodes. Um, what happened next? Uh, we come back. Or whatever. They fall asleep. They wake up in a foggy forest, uh, looking for each other. Uh, the Sandman finds Abby and flings sand in her eyes. Never a good sign. He tells her that she has been weighed on the scales of justice has been found and has been found wanting. Uh, she fires at him, but the shots do nothing because shooting the Sandman in the dream world doesn't. That means nothing. Ichabod, meanwhile, finds a red door in the forest. Um, Abby next finds herself in the interrogation room of her sister after they saw the demon. Um, Ichabod walks through the police door and is at the police station. He sees Dr. Vega and Gillespie hanging from, the, from nooses in the hallways. A third one swings empty. A third empty one swings nearby. Very Noose. creepy. Yeah, it is. Some good, yeah. some good dream imagery here, right? Yeah, the, um, the visuals in the dream reminded me a lot of the recent Doctor Who episode called Hyde, which is also very creepy. Very similar visuals. The Sandman questions the sisters, and Abby says she didn't see anything. Um, adult Abby, meanwhile, is frozen in place as the Sandman sticks a, a long nail through the glass towards her face. Ichabod comes in and tells the Sandman to stop, but he turns on Ichabod and, wha- <laughs> and whacks off his hand, which turns into sand. One of those things. It's basically this supernatural fight going on in the dream world. Um, Abby stops the attack by confessing what she saw on that day and confronting the Sandman. She tells him that she's not afraid anymore and she won't desert her sister again. The Sandman slowly turns into a kind of glass and it's frozen in place and Abby shatters up of a chair, making, of course, my T2 moment for the night and as he freezes the T-1000 shatters him into pieces. Guess what? Yeah. I, I, I think the Sandman can come back because I've seen them do that to Freddy Krueger before. <laughs> and um, that's exactly how Nightmare on Elm Street 1 ends and as we've seen, he's returned. So next time, he may try to come out through um, a young boy in the closet, possibly. We'll see. I thought I thought it was uh, interesting that the Sandman said to Ichabod, "Your sins are not mine to punish." It immediately made me wonder 
well, then who's going to do the punishing to Ichabod? was kind of ominous and mysterious. Later in the archives, Abby says she has some unfinished business to take care of. Well, she's about to leave when Captain Norvin comes in. He, he, <laughs> he, 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 he somehow finds the, the, arch, the old archive room. Uh, he doesn't want to know the details of the investigation. He just wants to know that the case is closed. So, a lot of leniency right, can, can, from can Captain we, yeah, Norvin. Can we, can we stop for one second? Yes, yeah. Uh, the biggest problem the show has so far is that character he's very in I, I can't get a read on him i don't know if he's, <laughs> i don't know if he's like the the controlling stubborn cop or if now he's believed like it, it depending on what's needed from him in the scene he completely changes his personality uh, i don't he's, he's less giles and more wesley <laughs> yeah. kind of <laughs> kind of i i think they need to tighten up that character a little bit uh, I'd like to find out more about him, but he's just he's just like, uh, I'm glad you took care of it. I don't want to know the details. It's like, oh, okay, so after, now... After mysteriously stumbling into the archive room. Yeah, so now this time traveler has free reign to solve supernatural crimes in your town? Okay. <laughs> and Go also, for it. He has a sense of humor, apparently, because he was all about that, that horse joke that they left in his office. Yeah, there's really weird stuff going on with Irving. Maybe that's the point. <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, after that happens, Abby visits, as he Abby attempts to visit Jenny at the mental hospital. The orderly takes Abby into Jen, Jenny's room, but it's empty. <coughs> Abby orders the building to be locked down. She then finds a loose panel on the ceiling, and Abby says she's good. And uh, then we uh, yeah we, we cut to uh, cut to credits there. She is good. See, seems kind of like it'd be an easy easy place to, to look at the the old ceiling. Like that seems like a pretty simple escape plan. You'll cut the I, hole I, in the ceiling trick. I feel like the hole. It just seemed like, uh, hey, there's a perfectly shaped section of the ceiling I can just push up. Yeah, I feel like if I was the architect of an institution, I would make it a ceiling that didn't have liftable panels. Yeah. Like, let's make this a sheetrock ceiling instead. Make it nice and solid. (laughs) So any uh, overall thoughts on this episode? I thought for the first half of this episode, till they really started getting going with the Sandman thing, I felt like they were... um, Having a lot of the same conversations in different settings. And I was kind of wanting them to move on and do something. And they did. They did. But I just kind of felt like there was a lot of conversations that were A, had in other episodes, or B, were just had in a couple scenes before. My, uh, my biggest kind of, I guess, issue, like overall, I did like this episode. I mean, it's still, it's keeping up the same kind of silliness that I've been enjoying about this. They did mention Washington's Bible, so that's kind of a thing I'm a fan of on the show. Washington Bible. But... I felt the Sandman stuff was kind of rushed. Like, as cool as it was to see, I was surprised on, like, the DVR. I was, I was watching it. It was, like, it was like 50 minutes in. It was like, oh, they're going to wrap up this Sandman. Like, I th- at first I thought it was going to be, like, a two-parter because I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to – because they're, like, just entering Dream World, and it was, like, towards the end of the episode. I was like, oh, maybe they won't wrap it up this week, but they did. So it seemed like – Well, kind of like the witch last week. She wasn't given much till yeah. towards the end. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an inherent problem with, like, the – procedural show i mean and i think that would this would fit into that is like you have to both service your characters uh work on whatever you know running mythology you have and then you have the case of the week and inevitably the case of the week is always going to be rushed it happens all the time yeah which is why i think the procedural gets sort of a bad reputation amongst the more serious television aficionados I certainly get that, and I, 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 I'd like to think that the show still has to, you know, it's trying to find its balance between, like, 
establishing who these characters are versus what kind of show it wants to be in terms of having like monsters of the week or what have you. I mean, there's obviously there's there's very little that ties into like the, I guess the overall arc of the series. Um, like we have no no John show this week, no no Sheriff Clancy Brown flashbacks. It's more focused on developing the Abby character, and it did so by, I guess, a very convenient, sleepy uh, Sandman monster <laughs> that came in yeah. just at this time, so we can solely so we can basically learn more about Abby. Uh, well, going with, oh, okay. sorry, okay. I was saying, go with what Maxwell just said about the procedural thing. I mean, they're obviously not, maybe not targeting towards that hardcore, keep up with the details audiences. If mm-hmm. last week ended with Clancy Brown saying, "Trust uh, number forty-nine." And the very next episode here, at the very beginning, we get a flash to him saying that 49 again once it's mentioned, as if we forget that instantly. So they're not, it's showing me that they're maybe not catering to like a hardcore television watching audience. Yeah, and it's also, it's that third, well, epi- like, it's that third episode thing too. Like, last week it says the second episode thing where they have to kind of recap the pilot for people that didn't watch the first week. But this week, if anything, it's the kind of episode that's supposed to stand on its own so after having established what these things are and esta- and reestablishing them in the second week just to make sure everyone's kind of on board this is kind of the first episode that really deals with what an average episode could be like you think that's fair to say yeah kind of but i also think to what brandon was saying is that they kind of have to because with the way you know the whole television landscape constantly evolves uh, i think the sort of heavily serialized show has kind of left and if anything, is moved to cable. Whereas the networks now, in order to compete with the constant influx of multiple shows on all these other networks, they have to try and aim and hit as broad of an audience as possible. So to do that, you kind of have to, I hate to say this, you know, dumb it down a little bit or make it more accessible. Yeah, you know, a show like this, yeah. that's certainly not a problem for me. <laughs> like, no, no. I, don't no. Care. I mean, the yeah. show is, like I said, I love this stupid show, and I stand by that, so whatever. Yeah. But it's just an interesting point. Yeah, and when we say that, I see. I think we certainly have respect for the show because we are doing a you know a weekly podcast on it. But yeah, I, I don't think it's it's not hard to say that like it's obviously not it's not it's not a show that that needs critical thinking on a different sort of level. It's more <laughs> so that's that's fun to talk about in the ways that we're talking about it. I mean, yeah. I'm, at this point, I'm in it for the tall, dark, and British. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's see. Any uh, any crazy crazy um, witch hokum thoughts of the week that might might emerge and i have a theory yeah go for it i suspect that sometime in the near future uh ichabod crane will run for and be elected sheriff of sleepy hollow (laughs) well we have we have seven years to work with that one i know but (laughs) i just think it's fun (laughs) brandon i think within the next two episodes maybe three ichabod will uh, finally get some modern digs, but they'll find a way to naturally get him back into some old-looking things when he's not comfortable in them. I was uh, live-tweeting the episode yesterday um, under the Ichapod Crane uh, Twitter account, and I, I mentioned that eventually he'll have to you know, get get out of his old digs and fall into the gap, so I hope that that uh, <laughs> occurs. Um, let's see, any thought, any theorems that I, theories that I can come up with <laughs> Nothing more standard than I hope Irving gets an episode to himself soon, so we can learn more about this this wacky Orlando Jones character, uh, such as why he, such as that that legendary sense of humor that he appears to have. You know, maybe maybe like with John Cho, um, police officer John Cho, 
Yeah. Um, with him being, you know, in cahoots with uh, probably Satan, um, and the fact that Sheriff Clancy Brown has uh, has ties to investigating all this paranormal stuff and was taken out, maybe intentionally, Police Captain Orlando Jones was placed there in some sort of grand scheme, and we'll find that later. There's a thought. Where do you think police officer John Cho was hanging out this week? Was he, like, at home? Was he, like, getting plastic surgery to fix his neck folds? I think he uh, went to White Castle. <laughs> 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 yeah, he went to White Castle with Scotty. Good there stuff. Yep. All right, let's, uh, what's going on in next week's episode, Brandon? Next week, uh, in the episode called The Lesser Key of Solomon... Lieutenant Abby Mills and Ichabod Crane search for Abby's estranged sister, Jenny, who has escaped from a Sleepy Hollow psychiatric hospital. In a game-changing episode, (laughs) which includes flashbacks to the real Boston Tea Party, Abby and Ichabod discover more about the evil they are facing and finally learn its name. Oh, boy. Satan! Um... Game-changing, yeah. folks. Boston and it's Tea not party, even November. Uh, Boston Tea Party, man. Woo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, so, so, yeah, we've recapped the episode. That means we're pretty much done here. Um, yeah, that was. this has been the Ichapod Crane Cast. Feel free to email us at ichapodcranecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Ichapod, Ichapod Crane. Um, and be sure to check out the other shows on hhwlod.com, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which should be coming up in full force soon. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm on the podcast on that network also. Out now with Aaron and Abe, the weekly film podcast. Um, Brandon, where can people find more of your uh, work? I do reviews at Why So Blue, um, whysoblue.com. Also, check out my blog, Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com. Currently, just today, well, you'll probably be hearing this tomorrow, started 31 Days of Halloween, um, 31 days of content dedicated to the Halloween franchise. Check it out. It's awesome. And I'm on Twitter at BT Peters. Maxwell? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell or check out Cinemaxwell.com for various thoughts and musings. Great. And um, yeah, you can, I, of course, I write for Wiseblue.com, the code is and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. So yeah, that was this week's episode of the Ikapod Cranecast. And until next week, Heads will roll. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. Then tell him that his lonesome nights are over Sandman, I'm so alone Don't have nobody to call my own Please turn on your magic beam Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream And it is this point when in my notes I wrote, I love this stupid show.